This is the Off the Charts Business Podcast for multi-passionate entrepreneurs. Here, you'll learn how to design a scalable business so you can spend more time outside, away from the screen, through actionable ideas, real-world examples, and pep talks from your host, that's me, Natalie Lucier, founder of Access Ally. I'm Natalie Lucier, founder of Access Ally, the WordPress-based solution for online courses, memberships, and any other type of offering that you want to create that has a lot of flexibility built in. So I am super excited today to have Sage Polaris. She is a conscious launch strategist and copy coach to the internet rich and famous. So I am super pumped to have her here today. Thank you so much for being here. (laughs) My pleasure, Natalie. For a long time, I worked with private clients and it's only in the last few years that I've taken my work more publicly and grateful to be able to share the incredible things my clients have done and then what I'm doing now too. So it'll be a fun day. So I always like to have someone like you, maybe who is new to a a new listener, tell us how you came to be doing this work and how you got here. So 10 years ago, I started a copywriting business, just fell in love with the online marketing world. As I started to progress in that business, I really loved serving private clients and so many of my peers were launching courses and it's not for lack of trying, like I did try once and it failed, which was like a segue to the whole conversation of today. It failed in the sense that yes, I launched it, but I only got like four customers and two were brought by affiliates. So I owed money on like that very little profit that I had. So at that moment, actually I realized about two years into my business that, oh, I should go back to what I call my profit sweet spots, which is serving private clients. Like that part of my business was very healthy. And I find that we tend to, as service providers, once we launch a course, think we can just abandon all our other profits. (laughs) And I realized like pretty early on, okay, that's not a good idea. What should I do instead? So what I did instead was go back to the private client work and hire a project manager to make it feel exciting and fun again versus like, oh no, like, you know, serving private clients can get quite complicated if you don't have someone who's looking at your systems with you, right? So over all those years, kept serving private clients. In 2019, what started to feel unfair to me, and this gets into the conscious bit of it, is that only certain people, if you knew someone, you had to know someone to be able to hire me right? Like that started to feel wrong to me. And so in 2019, I started really putting out what I consider to be low cost offers. I have a membership. I also have a mastermind, which is called a collective now. And so those starting to build out new revenue streams, you kind of start from square one again. (laughs) So while I've got this 10 years in business, it was like, okay, let's begin again, like bring that beginner's mind to how I launch and how I'm going to be conscious about reaching wider audiences now. And yes, I love the idea of scaling our businesses, but more so it was like an integrity piece for me to say like, oh, my work shouldn't just be accessible to a small circle or pool of people. So that's where I've gotten to now. I love that you shared that. And I think all of us, when we're trying to seamlessly scale, we know that our business is going to evolve. Maybe our offerings are going to evolve. And as we grow, we kind of want to shift as well too. So I love that you shared that path and that journey because we've I've done a lot of different things too. I've had one-on-one clients, I've built websites and then over time built plugins. And so it kind of spirals staircased. And that's the way I like to think about it is you can kind of come back with more experience and offer things in a different way. So 
I love that that you shared that story. Uh, and you touched on something that I think a lot of us have experienced too, is that we launch something and then it fails and we want to hide. Or flip side, yeah. we launch something and it goes really well. And then we're like, okay, I have to pull back a little bit. So can you talk a little bit about what to do and why, why that comes up like that? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think it's natural for us to have that feeling of wanting to hide. I think that most people, like, they understand the wanting to hide about failure, right? Like, it seems, you know, perfect example. I launched that course. I had four buyers. And of course, like, I wanted to hide at that point. Like, I wanted to back away from all of that piece of my business. And I did for a long time, to be honest. Like, I went back into my corner of... And I loved my work with my private clients. So it felt natural for me to just be like, okay, let me push pause on this. I think part of why I wanted to hide after that, like hindsight is twenty twenty, And I looked back and I was like, oh, my brand was not well known enough for people to want to buy this thing. And it's not that I didn't have no audience at all. Like I had some audience built, but because I hadn't built a brand name, hadn't become a household name in a sense, that really made me want to just hide because it was easier, right? And then there's the flip side where you have the success. And even this morning, oh, trust me, I wanted to hide. Like whenever I have like big numbers in my business right now, we had 3000 people sign up for something that I'm starting today. And I'll tell you all about it. It's my no charge copy course. There's part of me that doesn't want to post about what's happening or make that real saying like, yeah, we had 3000 people sign up. And it's a valid reason for a couple of different fronts. Like for one, you feel braggadocious. You're like, oh, I don't want to brag about what's happening, (laughs) even though it's just a celebration. So that's kind of what's helped me is like, stop thinking of it as a brag. Think of it as a celebration because people love that high vibe energy of celebrating with you. So I've learned to celebrate instead of thinking of it as bragging. And the other thing is like the higher you get up in this world of online business, the more people want to tear you down. And that's just the truth. (laughs) They will come for you because mostly jealousy and it happens, like, especially if they're your peers and they came up around the same time as you. But what I have learned to say instead of like, oh, I just saw Natalie do this incredible thing because there was a time actually back in the day where I was seeing you rise and rise and rise. And I was like, how is she doing that so quickly? Like, that's incredible to watch. And I wouldn't say I was jealous at the time, but I was just like, why can't I recreate this for myself? And so instead of thinking that now, I actually am a bit like on the scale of one to woo. I'm pretty woo. And there's this term in like my world, we call it the vibrational vicinity, right? So if someone is doing well in your circle or even in your periphery, it means that you're also meant to raise because they're raising the vibration for all of us. So I've learned to shift those little things and it's made a huge difference in my mindset now. But in the beginning, these are all natural rite of passages to be jealous, to want to hide, to do, you know, all these things. Right. And then over time, you just develop enough emotional intelligence to know, like, you're not going anywhere. Everything will be fine. You're meant to have something at your own time. And those are the ways that I've worked through, like both the successes and the failures of my business. That is so profound. I love that. And there's something that author Starhawk talks about a lot that in our culture, we love a rags to riches story. We love the start from the bottom, get to the top. And we like the teardown when somebody falls from that pedestal. So I think it's just kind of a cultural thing, like the same side of the coin, right? We like 
the rising and the falling because it's like entertaining or there's something about that that kind of like hooks us. So I think um, just being able to recognize like, no, we all have our different journeys and our different paths that we're on. And our business is giving us all these lessons and things I think is, is really helpful. So um, you have such great insights about this. So what do you think when failure happens in your business? How do we use those to improve it and get better and keep moving on from that? Yeah, I actually have a tangible example. So let me show you an actual email where I work through this with my audience and I show them my failures because I think the main thing is to understand that transparency with your people will make them remember you beyond anything and everything else. And I just had someone come to me recently and she said, hey, I'm getting ready to talk about, I think it was growing your email list at the same exact time as Amy Porterfield was getting ready to talk about her, I think it's called subscribe. I haven't honestly paid that much attention, but the person I was coaching was asking me like, how do I deal with the fact that I'm releasing the same exact thing? At the, well, not exact thing, but the same concept at the same time as someone who's way more well-known in my industry. And the way she handled it was so beautifully. Cause I told her like that happened to me when I was hosting a live event in 2019. So was Amy and we were both selling tickets at the same time. And immediately I thought, Oh, good. This is a proven thing that people want in the market, right? And people who are meant to go to Amy's event and people who are meant to go to mine are not always the same people or they're come to both. Awesome, like come to both, right? So for her, I just saw her flip it so beautifully. Her name's Jen Robbins and she was talking about flexible funnels and all these different things. And she's like, just told her audience straight out, I'm nervous to do this at the same time as Amy. And so many people wanted to do both. Amy's event and her event, their online event. And I just thought that was beautiful. And so I'll show you one other example of like how I have shared a failure openly with my audience. It's an email because I like to show people like, okay, what can you actually do here? If you have an issue, for example, you get on a webinar and suddenly things aren't working right. So I send an email to them saying exactly what happened. And I always get the most responses to this email. So I, I make a joke right off the bat because there's certain people who just love jokes in your emails. I'm like getting technology to play nicely is like hurting cats. There's so many moving parts. I kicked off the live filming of my free course today with 1,148 people in the, in the group. When I hopped into Zoom, I realized I couldn't share my screen and see my presenter notes at the same time. So I just told them what the problem was. And you know what people did when they were like, First of all, during the presentation, I'll be honest, it was overwhelming. Everybody was in the chat trying to help me, like help me problem solve right in that minute, which was so sweet. But then when I wrote them this email afterwards, like the, everyone sent me kind notes and you can see the subject line. I messed up in front of 1,148 people today. And they love that. Like it's the things that get the most engagement in my community. So I would love for everyone to think about like, how can you share specific stories or like not try to hide as much and just be transparent with people. I just think it makes all the difference in the world and feel, people feeling truly connected to you as a human being and saying like, look, I'm not perfect here. Here's the mistakes I made today. <laughs> Now we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Did you know Access Ally is the most flexible way to sell and elegantly deliver digital offerings as your business grows all in one place on WordPress. You can create online courses, memberships, directories, and communities, and even sell team access all on your terms. 
Go to accessla.com to get a demo and see why it's the business scaling solution you've been looking for. I love that. Yes. I think we feel like kind of that pedestal thing where we feel like if we're a business person, we should have everything together all the time and we can never make mistakes or share them if we do. We recently relaunched our website after redesigning it and we went live with a site that was not mobile optimized, which is mm. like the biggest like stumble block ever. Right. And yeah. I wrote a blog post about it and I'm like, you know what, this was a huge mistake and we just went live with it and here's what we would do differently. So I feel like yeah, we, we all kind of have like stumbling blocks and things. So I think it's great that you're able to share it and turn it into a good connection piece that the people can relate to. Yeah, well done on that. You know, I sell certain things that are like new products for me from a Google Doc. And I just tell them in the email, like, look at this on desktop. It doesn't look good on mobile. And I just say it, I'm like, just go on desktop. Because also I know that 75% of my audience is on desktop, right? Like I've done the I understand the data in my business to know that I can say something like that to them and they'll, they'll do what I ask. Awesome. Okay. So one of the things that we really want to focus on in today's conversation is this concept of conscious launching in 2022. So can you explain what you mean by that? How does that contrast from other types of launching maybe, and kind of how people can do that properly? Yeah, I think the first thing we started to say was to check in with yourself about how you want to build your audience. Who do you want to include? What's important to you? These are all just questions to ask yourself, maybe journal on them, make some decisions. I'm not saying there's a wrong or right answer here, but I am saying like make a conscious decision about why, if you want bigger reach, why do you want it? Or if you want to keep your business the way it is and you're not looking for bigger reach, but you just want to serve private clients, like does that settle well with you? Are you good with that? So that's the first thing about conscious launches is understanding how you're building a community and why you're building that community. The other thing about making conscious decisions is to acknowledge that as business owners, we hold a certain amount of power and how we share that power really matters in 2022. So for me, there's very much like a social justice arc to all of my brand. Like anywhere you go, you'll hear me talking about it not all the time, but I would say 25% of the time, I do talk about what's going on in the world. I live in the US, we're in a very intense moment in history. And I have found that we need to have the conversations. And also the other kind of buckets that I like to talk about to help people process what's happening is emotional intelligence. So I find that's a very important topic for me as well. So if you choose to be a business owner, think about, and this is a question, ask yourself, how are you holding power and how are you sharing it? And something I had to learn when I was, and still serving private clients, is that sometimes I see something that doesn't sit right with me. And I've had clients where I say something to me and they ignore it and push it aside and I actually fire them because I'm not here to share power with them in that way. But if I see a client doing something that I'm not aligned with and I say something to do to them and they start taking notes and they start making changes in their business, then I know I still want to continue to work with them. So this is an example of how if you're a service provider, if you're a course creator, if you have a membership, you hold a certain amount of power within that community. And how are you sharing it with your members, for example? Like, are you spotlighting them as well? Most of the six, most successful memberships that I know out there, 
they spotlight their members. They give voice to people who don't always get a voice when they should. Those things really, when I say this, I'm not just making it up, make you money for decades to come when you start to make those types of decisions. So those conscious decisions, first of all, they're from a place of being able to wake up in the morning and feeling good about what you're doing. And then secondly, there is a piece that's tied to the sustainability of your company, the longevity of your company, all of those things. Because in my membership, at least, like everyone comes in, new community of people sign up, everything's exciting. They're all very focused on me. And my main job is to get them to focus on each other. Because <laughs> that's when they stay the longest. And like, the last thing I'll say about being a conscious business owner, I've found when people complain in my membership or they ask for more than they paid for, it happens, I'll be honest, all the time. <laughs> a certain select group of people, when they come in, they have very high expectations. And I always tell my team, let them give you a hard time right now. They just want to be seen and heard. And then they end up being my member of the month almost every time when we just let them be seen and heard. So all of those things wrap into having a conscious business for me. That is amazing. Like there's so much I want to dive into what you just said, but one thing that really stood out that I'm not sure people know the practical way of doing is like you mentioned, highlighting members. Like how do you do that? What does your process look like? Um, it's such a great idea. And I love that you can kind of elevate people like that. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Oh yeah, I'd love to. So the first thing we do is we kind of just observe the community and the people who are the most active the people who are connecting with each other or just supporting each other without us having to ask, that's how we choose who the, the person is that we want to have them be the member of the month. And then we announce it in the Facebook group and we offer to highlight them on my Instagram so they can create a short video. I'll post it for them and they'll talk all about their business. That's actually something I noticed Lisa Johnson was doing. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm all over this. She has an incredible community. So I started doing that as well. And then also the accountability piece, like, you know, outside of the member of the month, like we really want people to join each other in pods. So we make sure to say like, hey, please create community with each other, like smaller communities inside of our community, because then you feel more connected to the group. So those are some of the things that we've done. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. And I love the practical ways that you can actually highlight people. That's really, really awesome. And then you also touched on the social justice piece and using your voice as your business grows to elevate certain causes or important things to you. So how do you do that? And I try to do it too. And I think sometimes I, it works, sometimes it kind of falls the wrong way. So how do you kind of navigate that? Do you just, if people resonate, they will stick with you and your brand. And if they're just not a match, then they're just not a match. How do you kind of deal with some of the polarization that's obviously happening in a lot of ways? Yeah. Um, I'll be honest. I don't post about it on Facebook mostly. <laughs> Let's start there because that platform has become so polarized. And we've tested something recently with ads about people who engage and I will tell you that it just skews towards cynicism and there's no way of getting around that that's happened with Facebook. And I don't know why the algorithm does that, but I have seen it time and again. So I've stopped. I'm like, I get to choose what arenas I play in. Uh, so Instagram has been better for me in terms of sharing those things and not because I'm in a, what do they call it? Where you're in a pool of people who only agree with you, not because of that 
it works better for me because I haven't been on that platform as long and I'm more conscious of the people that I have added in my circle there. With Facebook, there's so many random people over the 10 years that I've connected with Instagram. I've only been on there for like two or three years, right? So when I share those things though, like about social justice, what's going on in the world, I have a very strict rule with myself that I never just vent about what's going on, that I always share a course of action and a resource or a tool that they can use. And I always make sure it's through the lens of being a business owner or a marketer or someone who builds community. Like those three areas are really important to me because otherwise I'm not really giving them something tangible that they're used to hearing me talk about. They're just like, okay, Sage is on one today. She's ranting. Who knows why? No, it's not like that. It's like, here's the thing that I'm noticing that we need to be aware of as community builders. And here's the action I want you to take. You can donate, you can pray, you can give your time. That is one that I feel I don't hear enough about is like I give pro bono hours to companies and I always am really careful around this conversation when I talk about what I give and I'll be completely honest why. One, some people will just want to take advantage and not actually need your support. They're like, oh, she gives away hours. Let me go try and get some. Um, The other thing is like, I'm very careful to not look like this woke white leader who just knows all the things and everyone should listen to me instead I'm much more about like uplifting voices that I feel deserve to be heard alongside mine and being an ally to them instead of being like I know everything just come to me and I'll save everyone like I know white saviorism is a whole thing (laughs) that I am never wanting to project to people and I made mistakes along the way that's how I knew right the mistakes are gonna happen they're going to happen. So just be willing to hopefully you have people in your community who will lovingly call you in and not try to quote unquote cancel you. And those are the things that I have to consider when I'm making those decisions about talking about social justice. And it's always a response, not a reaction. I take a pause before I say something. I've never been the type of person to make quick decisions anyways. So I slowly make decisions And I know some people want fast reaction, but I don't think that's healthy for my personal self. So I've always been slower to respond over reacting quickly to something. So those are the ways that I've been sorting through it. But it's a lot, y'all. This is like the iceberg of a, like tip of the iceberg to a much, much larger conversation. I hear you completely, but thank you for sharing your process and kind of how you think about things. Cause I think that is helpful for people who maybe want to step into that, or maybe they have, and now they've pulled back because they're like, it didn't work or something was off. So I like that you shared obviously the lessons that, <laughs> that you've also learned along the way. So I wanted to dive a little bit deeper. Obviously you have tons of experience when it comes to copywriting and uh, when it comes to launching a course or a program or a membership, what do you think would be a good starting place for people who maybe want to try something kind of up their game a little bit, whether it's their sales page, or maybe they want to do a sales video. What kind of tips do you have that are very tactical, if you will, about some of those pieces of a launch? Oh, I love this conversation. So Sales page and sales emails, my number one tip is to stop hiding. (laughs) For one, like, oh my gosh, this is what people do. They're like, buy my stuff. And then they just disappear. And I'm like, y'all, this is not a strategy. This is a, I will click and pray and hope. (laughs) 
<laughs> so what can we do instead? Understand, first of all, the psychology behind what makes people want to buy something. So there are four different types of buyers who land on your sales page, your emails, who read your ads, who read your organic posts, all of those things. And understanding those four buyers is so clutch. But I'll give you a couple tips because I don't know how deeply we'll be able to go into it today. And I'll tell you how to find out more about what I'm about to share. So I created something called the color-coded copy system. And that system addresses the four buyer types. And I'll give you a couple right now. So the fast decision maker who lands on your sales page. One thing you can do that I see so many people miss is having a button before they scroll. I know we like to wait until we get to the offer section to have the button to buy. Don't do that for the fast decision makers. They want to just go. They're in and out three seconds. I know there's a lot of data about how many seconds it takes for somebody to make a decision, but that's different based on the four buyer types, right? So the faster decision maker, you have the button right there. Don't make them scroll for it. And you make it clear what the program is and who it's for, and then button a sense of urgency near the button, different for every launch. That's very strategic decision. Has to be authentic though. Don't fake people out, say something's gonna go away when it's not going to. And then right below that sense of urgency and that button, you wanna have a testimonial. This is another one I see people miss so much. The reason being for those fast decision makers, yes, they're quick, they already know they want it. When they hear someone else say something about your brand, it also helps them to reinforce like I'm making the right decision here. And you wanna have it be like a household name. So let's say you wanted to sell something to Oprah. Oprah's best friend is Gail. Have a testimonial from Gail right near that button <laughs> and she'll even faster want it, right? And then for me, I sell to a lot of copywriters. So having a testimonial from Laura Bell Gray is great. And then one person who was a fast decision maker, he told me, he's like, yeah, if you have my competitor purchased and you have their testimonial near a button, it always makes me want to buy. And I was like, oh, that's hilarious. Now I have like a little, I don't really believe in competition, but I thought it was hilarious that that's how he thought. So understanding those decision makers, making strategic decisions, even in your email, having a link right near the top. Like for me, it's something like tell a quick, like what it is. And then say, already know you want in. I won't make you scroll. Here's the link, right? So those little decisions make a big difference in your sales page, your emails, even your organic posts. Don't wait to do the like, drop me a heart if you want in or something like at the bottom of the post, put it, especially Instagram, put in that first sentence. Don't wait. I love that. Yes. And I, you're totally right. Like there's the people who are just ready to go and you don't want them to get bogged down and lose focus and they're no longer on the page. So yeah, I think that's such great advice. Thank you for sharing something so actionable. So what else would you say for creating the copy around your launches? Like, do you do a lot of customer research? How do you uh, recommend people get started if they're, uh, maybe they, they have an idea, they have a course and um, maybe they've made some sales of it, but now they're like, okay, how do I like bump things up a little bit? Yeah. So in terms of if you've launched once and you want to get more sales the next round, I think the most important thing you can do is look at building your audience. And so for me, like I am 75% organic growth with my audience and 25% paid growth. So I use Facebook and Instagram ads, you know, TikTok ads are coming up. Like it's a whole thing. They're giving enormous reach to people who buy right now because they want more buyers. 
so these are all things to consider. But before you consider all those things I just said, <laughs> I think it's important for you to look back at your historical data and say what has worked for me in the past and keep going there. I will say that like for our company, Facebook groups that allow promotion work really well, really, really well for us. The other thing that works well, my email list always does well. Guest expert sessions like this, podcasting works well on the organic side. On the paid ad side, we've learned how to get people to engage with ads and we've tested a few different things. And really just having at least one line in your Facebook ad that says comment below with I'm in and getting that engagement to bump you up in the algorithm, even though you're already paying to be in the algorithm. There's something about like someone seeing on my ad this week, 300 comments that just makes them want to do it even faster. It's that natural social, social proof that I'm getting. So those are just some high level overview things that you can do. Yes. I love that. It's all about understanding the algorithm so that you can get the most out of it and also still connect with the human on the other side. Cause I think that's the magic of seeing people responding and knowing that there's other people in the room who are like, yes, I want this. I want to dive into this. So I think that is such useful advice and tips. Okay. So tell us a little bit more about what you have coming up. You've already kind of given us a little bit, but I want to find out more about working with you and the programs that you have coming up. Yeah, I would love to. And thank you, Natalie, for allowing me to share with your audience and opening up your circle to me. It always feels so special. That being said, I have my free no charge copy course. It's six live sessions that I'm teaching and we'll go over all four buyer types. I know I started to hint towards it, but I wanted to let you know, like you've learned one today, the fast decision maker. I would love to teach you the other three if you can come play with me. And in terms of the link to go to sign up, if they just go to sageplayers.com slash guest, then I would love to have y'all in there. It's really exciting. I've done this three times now. And this time we have like 3000 people signed up already. It's like the most special thing. And I'm so excited. <laughs> so I'd love for everybody to come apply to be there with us. Attend as much as you can and just have a good time with the community because it's a special group of people. And I will say like, I don't know if everyone else feels this way, but like from having a membership or having a course, because I live in LA, like a lot of my members, we get to know each other over time and they end up becoming dear friends of mine. So I'm like, Ooh, what new besties am I going to make this time? <laughs> so I'm really excited for that. And if you feel like you are new to launching, you will get a ton from this course. If you've been around the launch block, come learn some things, especially session three, you will love, love, love that session and get so much of it out of it. And then if you want to bring your team, bring your team, have them apply separately. I love when people send their team. So like my podcast pitch agent is sending her team. I'm like, great, send them on over. I love that. So cool. And then when it comes to the way that we can do things online, I love that you're giving people actual workshops and things that they can actually do to improve their launches. One thing that I've noticed a lot with our clients is that they might not know how much time to set aside for a launch if it's their first launch or even if they've launched before but now they want to do it like a bigger way so can you talk a little bit about how much planning and how much time you recommend people for preparing for a launch and then running a launch because i think there's just so many pieces that people might not be aware of oh i love this topic okay i'll give you my like rote answer and then i'll give you my conscious version <laughs> 
<laughs> so my rote answer is that you should have ideally at least six to eight weeks before your launch to prepare. And this is a caveat of saying like, you've told me you've launched once before, so you're not starting from scratch. If you're starting from scratch, give yourself three months, if I'm being honest, to have it not be stressful. If you are the type of person who can move fast, then throw my rules out the window, and I know you will anyways. But um, <laughs> I prefer to move slowly, so I'll just be completely honest with that. So we take um, three months right now, even though it's our third round doing it. Um, and before that, we were taking two months, and I was just like, this isn't enough for me. I need more time. I want more time. Like I want to enjoy this whole process from start to finish. And I don't do well with having to constantly make white knuckle decisions about what has to happen next. So that being said, my conscious practices around launching. Oh, I love this part. Yes. You want to think about all the things before the launch and getting ready for it. And then during the launch, but what I want you to do in advance of all that, before you even start square one with getting your launch ready, I want you to schedule in time off. I want you to schedule time to go hiking with your friends if that's what you love to do, sitting at the beach. I want you to schedule daytime dates if you're with a partner. I want you to schedule time with your kids if you have them. All of those things to me make a successful launch as much as the strategy. So it's called integration practices in my world. And like if you're into law of attraction, and those integration practices, you're creating just as much by not working on the launch as you are working on the launch, in my opinion, because you're giving yourself the space to think, you're putting yourself in new environments. And it's been proven scientifically, like changing your environment will change how you think about everything. And so those things are when I come up with my best ideas. This morning, like I was getting ready, I sat outside on my porch and just sitting there and thinking about what I wanted to say today. And I was coming up with the best ideas because I wasn't in the office. So those types of things I think are just as important. And then once you're in the launch, like preparing for actually doing the things that you said you're gonna do for your launch, give yourself a little grace. If something doesn't happen or go down the way that you thought it was, or like today, one of our posts slipped through the cracks. I just told my team, I was like, this got missed, decide for me, like do, do what needs to be do, done next and give people autonomy to run your business for you. Cause you hired them to do that. And sometimes we want to like control every piece. And that's not really your job if you're the CEO of a company to control every piece. This is something that's come up a couple of times in different interviews around hiring and delegating and not just delegating tasks, but delegating decision-making. So I love that you brought that up because that is such a powerful way to not be the, the bottleneck in your business as you want to scale. So thank you for sharing that. And also, I love that you're in your beautiful backyard because I'm definitely a plant person and I get my best ideas for everything when I'm in the garden or in the greenhouse or wherever I might be that's not at my desk. So I, yeah. I love that advice. And it's interesting. I like that you recommend integrating or like planning for your integration time before you start doing your launch so that you actually make it happen. Because I think all of us have this tendency of like, if I push harder, if I work harder, if I post more, if I create more, then I will get better results. But at the same time, we know that that's not necessarily how it works and you can actually burn yourself out that way. So thank you for sharing all of those insights. So powerful. Oh, my pleasure. And I guess I'll just tag onto that briefly to say, people are not going to like that I say this, I'm going to say anyways, there's a time for hustle. There is. When you first start your business, you will give anything to that newborn baby. 
right? Like, and I 100% get that and would never judge someone for that ever. Because I remember being there and just being like, this has to work. That is my feeling. Like, this has to work. But I totally agree with what you said, Natalie. Like, over time, you need to learn that pushing harder will get you the opposite of what you want over time. Like, once you have enough experience to understand and prove in your product. I felt that way about something earlier this year I was promoting. I could have sent way more Instagram posts. I could have done way more. And I saw it was working okay, but not fantastically well in terms of the launch. And I was like, oh no, I'm backing away from everything. Like it can just sell itself at this point. I don't need to keep talking about it. Whoever wants it will come find it. And so it's that like discernment that you learn over time that's important. Yes. And you're totally right. In the early stages, you need to kind of crank it to get the the wheels turning essentially, right? So there is that, those different phases of business. So I think it, it depends at which stage in your business that you're in. So we've both been in business for, you know, a decade or more. So we, we understand that at this phase in our businesses, this is what makes sense. And if you're more in the early stages of scaling what you have, then yeah, it, it makes sense to kind of get the ball rolling a little bit more. So any parting words or anything that we didn't talk about that we should have talked about when it comes to conscious launching? Just that I feel like we are in a moment in time where if you are looking to scale your business with whatever it is, a membership, a group program, of course, now is the time in the sense because we have the advantage. And look, I don't love what's happened on the world stage by any stretch of the imagination, but because of the great resignation, there are so many, and I'll speak specifically to women and non-binary folks. We are at a time where I would love for women to step away from the grind of being in an office. And if that's you and like you want that, now is a great time to do it. And I'm grateful to be able to welcome people into my circle because I've been doing this for so long. I'm so excited about the potential of this time. I see the data, the trends are in our favor if you're in online business or want to enter online business. And I'm not saying this is the only time that it's gonna be like this, but I am saying like it would be a good time to truly consider this and truly make this a part of your life. I personally could never go back to an office. I'm just not built for it for a variety of reasons. And, you know, I had chosen specifically to work in an industry that was quite male dominated and I don't have anything against men, but I do have a lot against the patriarchal system that made it very hard for me to work in the way that I wanted to in Los Angeles 10 years ago. And I never looked back. So make those personal calls, take in what I've said and discern it for yourself. But I feel like now is a good time to to join the party, (laughs) the online party. I love that. And I love that throughout what everything that you shared today, you talked a lot about making decisions from your own inner knowing and your own clarity and what you want to create. I think that's, that's so key. And I think we are at a weird time (laughs) in history, but technology makes things easier than ever before. Like there's a lot of things that are kind of happening at the same time. So I think it's, it's a very cool takeaway for everyone here. So thank you so much for being on with us today, Sage. You had so much amazing things to share. People should go over to sagebolaris.com forward slash guest, right? If they Mm -hmm. want to go and find out more. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. And Natalie, thank you for leading women in tech. I appreciate you. Oh, thank you. 
Want to keep growing your business on your terms? Then sign up for my free newsletter, The Momentum Memo. You'll get quick, actionable tips to gain momentum in your business every Tuesday. Head over to natalielussier.com forward slash memo to join over 6,000 other entrepreneurs scaling on their terms. Whether you're just getting started or have been running your business for a while, the Momentum Memo has something for you. 